Amen. Well, it's good to have everybody worshiping with us here. And uh, uh, those that are listening now and those that are joining us from home or on your computer or iPad or phone, we just uh, we want to welcome you in the name of the Lord to the Lord's house. That's what this is. We are now gathered on this this holy place, this holy ground that is the community of Christ, a place that is sanctuary. But we recognize that the church is not a building, right? The church is beyond the building. It's you and I, and we come together to worship him through whatever means or medium. And we want to just lift up God today and just spend some time in his holy presence. If you have God's word, I want to invite you to turn to Joshua. We're going to Joshua chapter 5. And we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 12 in just a little bit. And I need to begin to say right out of the starting gate here that this definitely in some ways is a time of transition. And uh, certainly a time of uncertainty. Um, we're going through something that most of us have never seen. I mean, I understand that. I, I haven't. I'm 57 years old. And I mean, these are really strange times. And I think the temptation is to fear the unknown. I think the temptation is to fear the unknown. And that's why I go uh, to a time that was also maybe kind of strange uh, for, for God's people. A time of transition and change and definitely a fearful time uh, for, for his people called the Israelites. And so I want to go to the story of Joshua. In fact, to get a little bit of background before we go to Joshua chapter 5, we're going to be looking at that, focusing in that chapter. I want to kind of begin, you know, all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, where God, of course, comes to Abraham and he anoints Abraham and says, you are going to be the leader of my people. In fact, God just blesses him and promises that God will bless his people and uh and that they will be a blessing. And we remember as the story begins there that they become the family of God or God's chosen people. We remember as the story unfolds, we kind of fast forward. They end up in captivity in Egypt. And there, while they were slaves in Egypt, there's a man that is anointed to be, again, a leader of God's people, who is Moses. And Moses was the one that God appointed to bring his people out of the Egyptian captivity. And so uh, that's exactly what happens. They begin their wilderness wanderings and then they encounter Mount Sinai. I mean, what a moment that was when God makes his covenant with his people and we receive the Ten Commandments. And then, you know, after several years, he brings his people out of the wilderness. And now the people are camped outside of the promised land that God had promised them. And Moses is coming to the end of his life. You remember that part of the story. And the last thing, one of the last things that Moses says is he calls all his people to obey God's commands. Why? To show all the nations what God is like. I mean, think about that for a moment, church. I mean, Moses calls his people, God's people, to obey all the commands of God. Why? So so the nations will know what God is like. I'm wondering what an opportunity and what a testimony that is for us now as the church. Because we are in a moment of change and transition and certainly, again, uncertainty. And the world is watching us, those of us that are called believers. And the world is watching the church and the way that we respond to crisis. It is going to, be ha- it's going to have an impact. People are going to see that and judge that. And so we have this example, this testimony by the life of Moses and his command of the people. And, of course, what happens, you know the story. Moses does pass. He dies. And now Joshua becomes the new Moses. And that's where our story really picks up. And, of course, he also calls the people, challenges the people to obey the Torah or the covenant that God had made with his people. 
And, and then, you know, uh, there's the crossing of the Jordan where God holds the water back and the people go across. But just before the crossing of the, the Jordan, there is that, that fantastic, that really spectacular speech that, that Joshua gives to God's chosen people. And really it's the word of God that's coming to his people through Joshua. And I want to call it the strong and courageous speech. <laughs> Because that's what Joshua tells the people, God tells them to do that, to say, to be strong and courageous. And here we begin to see the wisdom of Joshua just pour out of his life. And in fact, it just continues to unfold, the story does, until we get to chapter 5. And then chapter 5 is a transition chapter. And it's, it's, it's also, you know, a part and about the people of Israel moving forward, yes, but it's also something else. When you look at chapter 5, it's, it's something else, quite a bit something else. And what Joshua does, he asks the people in certain ways and terms, he asks the people to look back. In fact, that's the title of my message tonight, and, and that is looking back. Not the way that we read in Luke, in Luke chapter 9, looking at verse 62, we read, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You see, that's because the whole heart is not involved in moving forward in the plan of God. And we see in the heart of Joshua that his whole heart is involved. And I believe even in the hearts of the Israelites now, they are in the promised land and the heart is involved and they're really willing to move forward. But there is wisdom In Joshua's leadership, when he says, let's take a moment and look back, just like when we see it, we say hindsight is 2020. Why is that? Well, things become clear as we look back, you know, in what we've learned from the past. It's like I heard someone say that it's the little things that really matter as times pass. You know, and years pass, we look back in those little things, what we thought were little things or little decisions really are big things. And really, you know, they they were pretty big decisions. And so enjoy the little things in life and realize that God is working even through those little things. And so Joshua in his wisdom says, take a moment and let's look back and let's look back and see what God has done. Let us look back and remember a heritage of faith forged in the fires of the past for tomorrow's challenges. And so really what Joshua is saying, he's saying, look, Christians and and church, it's time to review for just a moment. And I'm thinking about the times that we're in right now and how things are really topsy-turvy and how there is, you know, uncertainty and even chaos for some people's lives. And how it would be good for us to pause, you know, long enough to look back and to review and to see and to remember what God has done. You see, chapter 5 is about that. In fact, we go to Joshua chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verse 10 through 12. And before that, the new generation had been circumcised in the verses before verse 10. And so that was kind of part of the process. But then we get to verse 10 through 12. And I want to read that for you. Again, Joshua chapter 5. Give you a moment to turn there. Go to Joshua chapter 5. And we're going to pick up there in verse 10. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal, on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land. Unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was not, no, not, there was not, you know, any longer, or manna any longer for the Israelites, but that, But that year, they ate the produce of Canaan. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for the word today. I thank you for your anointing upon it. And I pray, Father, that you would just, Lord, just inspire us as we gather together and we worship, Lord, in whatever form and media that we're worshiping. 
And I pray that, Father, that you would just lift that one that needs to be lifted. I, I pray that you would anoint the one that is needing an anointing and a direction in life. I pray that, Father, that you will be glorified in everything that is said and done today, this time of worship, this time of study. And so, Father, thank you. Thank you for, Lord, the history and the story of your people. And help us to learn from it, I pray. I pray for your blessing upon this word. We pray and we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen. Now, obviously, this text is on the hills of looking back at how uh, the Israelites had committed themselves in relationship to God. In other words, through covenant and relationship, uh, of course, it was circumcision. In fact, remember, they had been wandering in the desert some 40 years. And what we read in the history here of God's people is that the first generation, the first military soldiers of the men of God's people had already passed away. And so the new generation, they had not followed their example of circumcision and their covenant and promise to God. And so we, we recognize that. And that's what kind of Joshua's, Joshua is trying to bring up or trying to point out that it's time that we renew this covenant just as the generation before you had made covenant to God, that you renew this covenant, this promise to God that you will follow him and obey him. So they're looking back in that way just before these few verses. And then they're looking back at how God had committed himself in covenant when the angel of death had passed over their homes. You know, those mantles that had blood on them, saving the firstborn of each of their families. And so what Joshua is doing, he's saying, look back and recognize. Look back and recognize the wondrous works of God's divine power and how is that divine power of God that brought them up out of Egypt. You see, he's saying it this way. He's saying, remember the finishing mercies of God, just as it was the mercy of God that came to you as you walked in darkness and there was no purpose in life and there was no direction in life. And then you encounter the living Christ and you invite Jesus to become a part of your lives. Do you remember that? Can you remember a moment when, when you did that and you said, Jesus, I believe and I want you to become a part of my life. And you prayed that way. And then all of a sudden there is this light that begins to shine on that path of darkness. And all of a sudden it's the glory of God that you experience because you've met your Savior. You've met Jesus Christ. And so we recognize that even in this story, there is the finishing mercies of God. That God, what that means is that God, His mercy not only is there in the beginning of relationship with Him, but His mercy is following you. The finishing mercy of God that is carrying you through even in difficult times. We see that here in the Israelites. Now they're in the promised land. And God's mercy was not only providing for them manna, you know, while they're in the wilderness and in other ways, but it's in this, this new time, this new chapter when things were strange and there was uncertainty and probably, you know, many people were fearful of what the future held, just as possibly we are fearful of what the future might hold. There is the presence of the Lord that carries us through. You see, salvation does not leave us or forsake us. Salvation is not just this moment that we say, okay, you know, we're, we believe in Christ and we want to follow Christ and, you know, it's kind of finished. It does not stop there. That's the very beginning. It is something that carries us through. It does not leave us nor forsake us just as the mercy of God goes with us and follows us at every step. And so by looking back, it informs Joshua's actions, which in turn should inform our response in these tenuous and uncertain times. Let me say that again. By looking back, it informs Joshua's actions, which in turn should inform our response in these tenuous 
and uncertain times. And you say, well, pastor, how does that happen? I mean, how are we learning from what Joshua did and looking back? Well, first thing, when Joshua looked back, it, 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 it kind of reminded, you know, reminded the people of the message of being strong and courageous. Remember, God's word had come to Joshua in chapter one when he gives that, that remarkable speech and that challenge to the people as they were preparing to cross the river Jordan. And God holds back the water so that they can cross. And, and, and Joshua had said, be strong and courageous. And you see, the reason why that they could be strong and courageous was not because of their own ability, not because of the plan that they had. That's not what they, they were, you know, confident in is this wonderful plan that now, you know, we're going to cross the Jordan. What they were confident in was the promises of God. That's where our confidence comes from. It comes from God's promise that he will be there with us and that he will not walk away from us no matter how dark the path may become. In fact, that's part of the promises of God. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Maybe that's the one thing that you need to hear tonight or this morning, excuse me. That's the one thing that you need to hear this morning is, is that God will never leave you nor forsake you. And maybe you're feeling a little bit forsaken. Or maybe you're feeling a little bit isolated because we're social distancing. And and I can imagine in in what we're going through right now, we could feel that way. But the promise of God is this. Listen, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is God's promise. Another promise of God is, is if his eye is on the sparrow, right? I mean, if his eye is on the sparrow and as a creator of all things, and he created the sparrows, he knows when a sparrow falls or the bird of the air falls, then don't you think that God knows about your life? And your breath and what you're going through and your fears that you're facing. Yes, God, if his eye is on the sparrow, I promise you that God, he is with you. And he is putting his arms around you and protecting you. And he is walking with you. I mean, if God cares about the birds of the air, think about how much more God cares for you. Because he will not leave you nor forsake you. And then we are reminded that we are wonderfully and beautifully made. God made us in a very special way because, because we are his creation. We are all special in God's eyes. There's no question about that. And so this, this strength and this courageous spirit is not because, you know, we have the ability to, you know, to plan things, you know, and, and to be in control. I'm kind of a little bit of a control freak. <laughs> and because of that, I think, you know, I have a little bit more peace if I have a plan and, you know, I have a strategy in place and I know what I'm doing. But the reality is none of that really brings peace. None of that really is the answer as God, as Jesus Christ is the answer. In fact, we look at Psalm chapter 46 and we read there, God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in, in times of trouble. I mean, if, if we didn't need that, a refuge, a place of refuge, refuge and strength, then why would God need to promise that? You see, our ability is not enough. I want to say that again. Our ability, your ability, it's not enough. God promises he will be our, our refuge and our strength, and he will be present in troubling times. And these certainly are troubling times. There's no doubt about that. And then we look at at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, looking at verse 16, we read, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. We are being renewed day by day. This is the promise that God wants to bring renewal. In fact, he gives us direction on how do we find spiritual renewal. Listen to this member. Listen to this church person. We go back to Psalm 46, and in another verse, in verse 10, he says this. He, He says, be still. And know that I am God. 
How are we to be renewed day by day? We, we are to be still in the presence of the Lord. We're to listen in the presence of the Lord. And I believe that if we calm ourselves and we listen well and we, we are waiting to hear from God, I believe that God will speak and there will be this peace that will overcome us. A peace that passes human understanding is what the scripture promises. In fact, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, we read, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. When we take this yoke upon us. You know what the yoke is? The yoke is the story of God. It is, it is God's story how God has been there with man all along the way. And it is God's story that is unfolding before us as we know who God is because of his son, Jesus Christ, that became flesh and lived among us. It is that son that went to the cross and died on the cross for my sin and for your sin. And we believe in the story of God as we take that upon us and we have faith in that. There is this promise that we will find rest for our souls. <laughs> And I don't know if you, you have that right now. It's possible that you're maybe even struggling, trying to find rest for your soul. Well, this is the promise that the word gives us, that when we take this yoke, this is God's story, his plan for us, upon our shoulders, that he is gentle and he is humble of heart. And that means he cares for us. He wants to be involved in our life. And then there will be just the renewal for our soul as we are in the presence of God and we're being still, we will know that he is in control. That, that is the second thing. The, the third thing that we learn by looking back, I believe, in Joshua here is, is to be thankful. In fact, Joshua helps the Israelites to see God's supply in ordinary things. And that's key because remember in their text, you know, standing in their text a little bit here, the manna had ceased. And now the, the Israelites were eating from the land. And so Joshua is reminding them that God is our provision and that God is our provider in ordinary things. I mean, think about that for just a moment. In the ordinary things of life and in the food that God is providing and the resource of, of our income. And maybe it's a job that we have or, or some other resource that's in the very ordinary things of life, the way that, that we have a place to sleep. And again, food to eat that in the very ordinary things of life, God is our provider. He is our provision. And so Joshua is reminding the Israelites that God is God, even in the ordinary things and in those ordinary things he provides for us. But also he provides for us in extraordinary ways. And that's encouraging because we need to know that, that that there are times that God He moves in an extraordinary way, a supernatural way. And God comes in and he surprises us. By the way, he moves in extraordinary ways. And I look forward to being surprised by God in that way. I'll never forget, I think I was a senior in high school, and uh, I'd come home. You know, I think I was in college, not a senior in high school. I was uh, my first or second year in college, and I'd come in the house, and my mom was there by herself at the dining table. And I walked in, I could see her back, and she had red hair, her red hair, and... uh, And as I I began to move around to the far end of the table, I noticed that her face was in her hands. And she looked up, and Mom had been crying. She'd just been crying. And all my heart was moved. And I moved near her, and I said, Mom, what's wrong? I put my hand on her shoulder. And uh, she said, oh, it's nothing. No, Mom, what's wrong? I pushed her. I pressed her a little bit. What is wrong? And then she just kind of started welling and crying with some sound now. And um, 
And then she stopped and had a handkerchief and she wiped her nose and she said, well, she said, I just got done paying bills and I thought I had a thousand dollars in checking. And as I balanced my checkbook, I realized that I wrote most of those checks and I only had thirty dollars in checking. And she said, the worst of it is we owe four hundred dollars still for a car payment and I don't have the four hundred dollars and I only got thirty dollars. And so I can't remember how the conversation went, but what I do remember is I stayed nearby in the room and she made a phone call. Uh, oh, yeah, we prayed. We prayed together. We said a prayer together. And then uh, she made a phone call to the, the company that she owed the payment to the bank. And I'm, I'm sitting there listening. I'm not trying to eavesdrop, but I'm hearing what's going on. And she makes this call. And there's quite a bit of exchange and questions that are being asked and answered by my mom. And then all of a sudden she hangs up the phone and she says, praise the Lord. And, and there's this, you know, the smile of joy on her face. And, and so we just kind of start rejoicing. And I don't know what she's rejoicing. And then she shares with me that God just blessed her in an extraordinary way. I said, well, what happened? She said, well, we prayed, you know. And then the bank, they listened to my story and they said, you know what? We have a plan here. We're going to forgive that payment, not bump the contract, not extend the contract. But they're going to literally forgive that payment. They'll never have to pay the payment. It was only $400, but man, it was like a million dollars. And that room, that house was just full of praise to God. It just lit up. And what a moment it was to experience the extraordinary way that God works. God works in extraordinary ways sometimes. I guess what I'm saying tonight is that God will provide. And I'm not sure what kind of anxiety that you're experiencing or how anxious you are about this uncertain future that we're in. But I'm reminded how Joshua looked back and reminded the new generation the commitment the old generation made. And he looked back and reminded them in the Passover feast and the supper that, that God had looked out for his people and passed over them and saved their child, their children. And folks, the God of the past that is a, a God that is a provider and is our provision, that is the same God that we are serving right now, today, in the midst of our heartache, in the midst of the chaos, in these uncertain times. I know this, if I know anything, that God is our provision and he will surprise you. He will surprise you. In some extraordinary way, I believe, if you, you begin to trust God and include God in the beginning, in the beginning of your relationship with Him. In fact, if I were to say, you know, this is my theme. Pastor, what's your theme? Here's my theme. When we begin with God, here's my theme. When we begin with God, it is likely that we will end well with God. <laughs> when we begin with God, whatever it is we're facing, when we begin with God, it is likely that we will end well with God. You see, I believe that this whole scenario, Joshua, this whole scenario is challenging us to be spiritual. And I say that with no apologies. No apologies. To be spiritual. I mean, unfortunately, I watch people sometimes when someone passes or there's a crisis in life, you know, I don't see them anymore worshiping and, and kind of they're pulling away. And, and there's some time maybe it takes to get them back into this mode of worship. Folks, I believe that the time that we should gather and worship God is in time of crisis. No apologies. I mean, Joshua, think of this. Joshua is getting ready for a huge campaign, a military campaign called Jericho. Remember the walls of Jericho? 
He's getting ready for this huge campaign. And what does, what does he do? He, he commits one act of devotion after another. The circumcision of the new generation, the Passover feast, one act of devotion after another. And so they become very religious before they embark on this tremendous campaign. You see, I, I, I want to reiterate, if I have not said it yet, <laughs> I believe things go a lot better with God than without God. Begin with God. What we begin with God is likely to end well with God. And I believe that you can't go wrong if you start with God. That means having faith in God. That means trusting God. That means even resting in the Lord through difficult times. Remember Psalm 46.10? Be still and know that I am God. And he will be your rest. And he will be your strength. Be still and know that he is God. Because God is your provision. He is your provider. I want you to know that church, worshiper, wherever you're at, that God is your provider. He loves you today. May the Lord bless you mission. May the Lord bless all those that are listening today in this worship. Amen. God bless.